Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's a, a, a troubling case unfolding in a B.C. human rights tribunal, and it really isn't getting much attention when it should. Because at the center of it is a, a transgender woman who claims that a home-based salon discriminated against her, denying her a Brazilian wax. And the business owner, a woman, uh, says she wasn't comfortable giving the customer that service because he still got his appendage. She said she didn't have any training. So the complainant in this case, who is a, an activist, is uh, says she has filed more than a dozen complaints against female-owned salons in the Vancouver area who have also refused to serve him, citing discomfort or lack of training. And these businesses are being punished. But in this particular case, the complainant Jessica Yaniv is the same activist who got Lindsay Shepard kicked off Twitter. So what we have here is a, a, a motivated ideological fight. And the complainant will argue that this sets a very dangerous precedent, that businesses cannot choose and pick their clients. Well, hello? What about this question? Do women and, and men, let's throw them both in, do people now have to perform services that they're not comfortable doing? Let's ask. Dr. Peta Nankaville joins me. She's been on with us before, but she is out in B.C. right now covering off and watching this tribunal. Uh, good to have you, doctor. So, um, you know, this is not getting a lot of attention. Does that strike you as a little odd? Um, it does strike me as a little odd. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, it does strike me as odd, although it's not that surprising, I think that this topic is one that um, not too many people want to touch because it is a tricky topic. So, in, in other words, they don't want to offend and be called, you know, homophobic or whatever else uh, in covering it. They don't want to be called transphobic. I think this is one of those topics that people tend to stay away from because you do get called transphobic and you risk offending the trans community, of course, if you touch this topic in the wrong way. So take us back to, to the particular of the of this case. So we're talking about someone named Jessica Yaniv, who was a man who has now, I guess, transitioned in part, at least, to be a female. Who... So was a man, is a man, um, has or has not transitioned. His name on Twitter is still Jonathan. He still has male um, genitalia. Uh, it goes back to uh, 2018 where he's filed 16 human rights complaints against various waxing and aesthetic salon workers. So is is she or is she just targeting these? Is it is it is there a point to be made or is there a, a an end game here? That's a very good question. I think that Jonathan Yaniv is potentially stands to make thirty two thousand dollars out of taking these people to court. 
Um, I think that there is definitely something larger at play here. He's specifically targeting women who are immigrants. The majority of these salons are run by immigrant women. The majority of these very small these very small businesses are run by women out of their own homes. Um, he's obviously trying to get these places either shut down or trying to get a payout from them. Out of these 16 complaints, only five of them are currently in the Human Rights Tribunal. So most of them have already settled with him. Um, and then these five five complaints that are currently in the Human Rights Tribunal over in BC, um, you know, there's only five, five that are in there and he's, he's trying to coerce them into, he's trying to change the law um, and basically make it, make it legal to, for women to be, forced by law to touch a penis when women don't want to touch a penis. That's basically the bottom line. Right. So, so you've got two, well, you've got two, you've got his or her, sorry, I don't want to get in trouble for dead naming uh-huh. someone, but you know, you, there's two stories here because you get the complainants issue, which is, well, you know, businesses can't pick and choose clients, which I do think that they should be able to. But at the, at the other side, um, you know, a ruling against this woman would, would essentially be telling um, women that, yes, you have to perform intimate services against your will because um, that's just the, the rights of the other person will be more important. That's exactly what the bottom bottom line is. And their argument, again, um, I mean, one of, this, one of the women whose case was heard uh, yesterday, she's Sikh. So, she, you know, it's against her religion, it's against her cultural ground that... She, A, does not have the skill. She's not trained in mandillions, they call them. So it's a different type of wax that's used. It's a different procedure. It's a different, yeah, it's a different technical procedure to actually wax a man's uh, genitalia than it is to wax a woman's genitalia. So it's a completely different procedure. It's a completely different wax. And is it, but let me just jump in. Is this service not available? Like, can this person not find this service by someone who wants to do it? No. So the service is readily available. So most salons or many um, institution salons, beauty salons will wax both men and women. So this person is specifically seeking out women who will not wax men and targeting those salons. This to me, it, you know, from the outside looking in, um, it's a t- and it's an intimidation, but it does nothing for I think the LGBTQ community. I mean, uh, it creates not. a division and certainly pits women against. You know, we've seen this escalation whether it's um, athletes competing at the the international level or the uh, the Olympic level, where you've got uh, people in the transgender community who are going into that world and pushing women aside. Essentially, it's completely disrespectful. It's completely playing um, one right against the other. It's inflammatory. It plays against the competing rights. I think there's a way to do it in terms of um, being respectful towards women's rights. If you want to go and get a manzillion, perhaps you seek out a salon that performs men's and women's, um, you know, waxing for 
both sexes and you explain your situation, you have that done in a manner that's suitable for you in a respectful way. It's private, it's personal, nobody has to know about it, but instead this person is choosing to target women-run businesses by, you know, people that don't speak English, that are culturally sensitive to that kind of thing, and is choosing to target them and then find vulnerable salons and take them to the Human Rights Tribunal. It's completely inflammatory and it's completely coercive. Well, it's also um, holding people hostage because the problem is that if these people speak up, then they get labeled uh, either homophobic or transphobic at the same time. Uh, You know, if they're bending over and just walking away and just feeding it, they're allowing this to set precedent. So many of these businesses have closed down. um, because Because of this complainant? Because of this complainant, because they have been labeled as transphobic or bigoted because... They have had to spend time and money on settling in mediation because, you know, they can't afford to have that kind of um, bad media and bad attention. And they've been forced to close down while this case goes to court and while this case goes through the system. So they've, these women have lost their businesses. So in your mind, from what you've heard and some of the things you've seen, I mean, uh, what are the women saying that you've talked to? I mean, they must feel like they have absolutely no say in anything um, because there's a huge gray area that that has been created. And given what you said earlier, that people or the media or whomever is worried about covering this thing and therefore uh-huh. it just kind of gets swept under the carpet. But the danger in this is the precedent it sets. The women that I've spoken to feel voiceless. They feel coerced and they feel um, worried about where this is going to go. They feel worried about the outcome of the court case and whether they will be able, whether this is something that they will be able to continue to do in the future. Because, of course, if um, Jonathan wins this case, then this is a business that they'll never be able to go back into. Right. And so when, when do we expect the results of this? I mean, how much more is there to go through? So there's another hearing on July the 26th, so coming up very soon, and then hopefully we'll know something shortly after that. Wow. Well, you know, uh, you know, at some point someone's going to have to speak up and say something because, you know, we're, we're going into this area where there's a whole, like I said, there's a whole bunch of gray area. Um, and if no one's willing to define it, and as we saw recently in a court ruling uh, with the Olympics where the court ruled one way and then... Uh, you know, against a, 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 an athlete who had male hormones in that and then had to reverse it because the backlash was, I mean, the problem is we've got so many groups that are backing down and just kind of not wanting to pick this fight. Uh, it's creating, I think, some big problems moving forward. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, fundamentally, the issue here for women and and you know, we've seen so much lately that where the left has just gone way too far and you hear the, the shouts on the streets where trans women are women, trans women are women, and while that's all well and good, I don't think people have been looking critically enough at the issue where fundamentally in this case, the issue is fundamentally that a woman should not be forced to touch a man's penis against her will. And that is what will happen if this case, if Jonathan Yaniv wins this case, that that is what ultimately is going to happen. And, I mean, it just sounds absolutely frightening, but but that's actually what we're looking at right now, today. Like, that's what's going to happen if Jonathan Yaniv wins this case. 
Well, I'll continue to watch it. And, uh, you know, women have fought for a lot of rights for a very long time. It would be very uh, alarming to see them disappear uh, to activism like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We will have you on again. Dr. Nankaville, thank you so much for uh, chatting with us. Thanks for following up, Alex. A pleasure as always. That is uh, Dr. Peter Nankaville here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.